Welcome to the Rhythm Dribble Basketball Development Podcast. The development podcast that walks you through the long journey of turning your love for basketball into next level success. Helping you to enhance your skills physically, mentally, and emotionally to become the best player you can be. Helping families make decisions along this long, arduous journey. Hearing valuable stories about family successes and failures during this exciting but uncertain time. Hi, we're your hosts, Daryl Adams and Rick Spence. In today's podcast, we'll talk about the impact of the father during a child's journey through basketball and their sports life. Be sure to subscribe to the Rhythm Dribble Basketball Development Podcast. I want to remind you to check out Rhythm Dribble on social media. Like us, follow us, and leave a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Send me your questions at CoachD at RhythmDribble.com, and I'll get to them later in this show or on future broadcasts. I want to start this podcast off a little bit differently today. Uh, In the spirit of Father's Day, I'd like to share one of my own proud moments as a dad. I just got news that my son signed a contract with the Portland Trailblazers. Now, for most, this seems like an unattainable goal. But I'm the dad who was alongside of this guy, and I kind of witnessed this journey. I saw the sacrifice, the hard work, and the discipline, which you hear me talk about all the time, both inside and outside the gym. I hope seeing this accomplishment for Jay gives everyone incentive to push through on their own goals, whether they seem impossible or not. With all that said, I'd like to congratulate Jalen and all of his NBA endeavors. Welcome to today's podcast. We have a special guest in the studio, Daryl Boston. He's one of the parents of the Rhythm Dribble family, and he's decided to take some time out to kind of give us some insight on a special topic where we get to kind of dive in and, and find out what's in the mind of the father who endures this journey next to his son and daughter, who at the end of this thing, when we look back and reflect, we've put in a lot of time that there's a lot of similarities between the separate and distinct journeys from one household to another. This podcast kind of serves as a delayed Father's Day uh, gift for all of you listeners, where you're just going to hear kind of three dads who kind of have lived separate lives in this thing called basketball and we're going to try to come together and present you guys with with some of the insights some of the background information do we live vicariously through our children as dads i th- I, I think you're right a little bit you know definitely for me i would say a little bit and i don't even know if this is me living through them but it's just certain things you want them to understand about competition it's not just about the basketball piece that's that piece is that competition goes on for for everything you do in life. Yeah. You know, so I think this is a tough question, man. I well, gotta be honest I'm, with you. Nah, yeah. I'm actually glad in his response because to be honest, most people they don't give you I don't believe they give you the true answer. Yes, you're living vicariously through them and and nobody <laughs> ever wants to say it, right? Like if you it's well it depends on what level, right? If you're playing at a club level, AAU level, uh competitive level I believe it has to, it, in some aspect, it has to be there. You see the commitment from, from the parents. You're, you're, 
you're going to numerous practices. You're spending uh, uh, your resources, your money to fly here, fly there, this tournament, that tournament, all the AAU dues. Um, and, yeah, I think that there's no way that you commit all that and you don't feel some attachment um, and, and some enjoyment from that. So I anybody who, to me, anybody who says no, and I'm not saying it's 100%, but some piece of it, you're living through your child. You're getting some enjoyment out of that. Why do you think people say no? What's, what's the big deal? Because it, because then it feels like you're pushing your your, your son or daughter in one direction, right? Uh, they may have chosen a sport. They chose it, but now I'm 100% in. Um, but when you say I'm living through them, it feels like it's you're forcing it on them. You're making them do this. You're making them train. They don't like the sport. Yeah, that's 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 not what I was saying. Okay, uh, what I'm saying is this conversation. You know, I I know a whole lot of things about Tyler's journey that I didn't know. Right, Zach's journey. So a lot of this is through experience. Right, and and when I say you need to have a tough conversation about who's in control of the journey, who's and we all we always talk about it like this. We always say, I can't, I can't, at some point, you can't drive that bus anymore. And they have to, you know, they're going to have to move up to that driver's seat. And they're going to have to start driving this thing a little bit. Uh, and, and it looks different that way. It looks different uh, when they're driving the bus, when they're, you know, in control or is this is their journey. This is when you move into that piece. This is, this is your journey. You know what I mean? Uh, or you need to make sure, that, you know, you, you're leading this thing. Right, um, you know, so that's all I would, I would. That's the thing that came to my. Came I got to, it. So, so, so then let me let me go here. Then let's all take a a trip down memory lane a little bit. If we could talk to our dads, uh, back in our youth days, back in those ages where they're making subtle decisions that have an impact for the rest of our lives, whether it's sports or whether it's career choices or whether it's discipline. Do we have a do we have a courageous conversation with them? And say, nah, Dad, don't do that. Do this right here. What do you guys think about that? What do you mean? Well, my dad wasn't around, so I didn't have any of those conversations. Well, my dad certainly was around, but he wasn't in the sports. Okay, right. So we picked this up organically. So I just wonder, you know, in 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 my situation, I think that if my dad somehow gets me over to a trainer that looks and feels like myself now, currently. Mm-hmm. Right, then this thing comes out a little bit differently if if it's sports or or if they take me to a I don't know a, a tutor or something, you know what I mean? And then, then I might be the road scholar. You follow me? Just I just think this is Daryl has identified this in his in his show sheet outline that this is a pivotal time. And the role of the parent is a very, very serious thing. Right? So I just want to make sure that we understand. Even if we can't go back and tell our dads to change this thing just a little bit, that we have to agree that the better they perform this role as dad, the better off the child is. Oh yeah. That's, oh for that's sure. Definitely. Certainly. Yeah, that's deep. That's deep. Right? But you know, my, my dad was around and it was very it's you know, very valuable piece here. He was director of uh, minority recruiting for Ernst and Young and he got to understand a lot about, you know, how important SATs were, how important GPAs are and all that kind of stuff. So he kind of preached that to me 
So I, I kind of do the thing that I, I never really, I did both of them at the same time. You, you had to be uh, a scholar, and we'll probably get into this later, D. You had to be a scholar, and you had to do this, this basketball thing. Those, thing, those two things, for them, have to work together. You know right, what I mean? They yeah. got to work together. I guess, Daryl, you and I remember the long conversations that helped to kind of soak these lessons, these life lessons into our head. And that's the dad. Only the dad, man, can sit you down and bore you to death. But but at the end of the day, you look back over the years and you say, whoa, he's had a major, major impact on me and who I am. Exactly. You, right? And, and, it's, and it's subtle at the time. It's subtle, man. But good gosh, it's important. Yeah, yeah, I think for me that was probably my grandfather. Um, since my father wasn't around, my, my grandfather definitely gave me those yeah. speeches that I, I didn't want to hear. Or how about I, how about in some instances where there's no dad, it's the coach, right? It's the coach or the oh, mentor or the, or the male teacher, right? But I think different. Huh? that looks different. Then that looks different for for the kid. That looks very different for the kid, right? If if the person who's giving them these messages is not the dad, and it could be the coach that. I think that that's that really that's that's a different kid right there. You know right, right, right. Than the kids we have. Yeah, I got it. Let me let me ask this: Is the parental role to help the child to, or not the parental role? Is the father role to help the child to avoid pitfalls? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's when you well, and that's that's tough for each dad. I almost stepped into something there. It's a tough thing to do, man. It's, it's been tough for me to make sure that I'm, I'm, and I guess you look at it. I mean, I kind of look at it as protecting them, but they gotta see when you, you, you know, you refer to them as pitfalls. But they gotta see, you know, you you keep, you know, say, nah, you're not ready to go around the corner yet. You're not ready to go around the corner yet. So you, you hold on. You have you have this thing where you kind of hold on. And, and, and that, again, I say it's important, you know, role of, you know, make sure, you know, to have the kind of dad that I have, they're able to step in and say, yo, they, they, they have to see for themselves, you know what I'm saying? Right. And yeah. that's tough for me to do. That's a struggle for me. So uh, I'm actually glad you said that because under nurturer, like as we were going through the, the, um, the conversational piece and our conversational outline. When I when I when I looked at nurturer, I said that it was important to nurture. However, you could not protect. I don't I don't believe in protecting the boys. Um, I want them to kind of experience as much as they can while they're with me. Um, so so I'll so I'll let them go through stuff so that now I can have a conversation about it. But if I protect mm -hmm. them and they never have a chance to go through it, and then they have to go through it without me around. Then it's a little bit harder for them to handle in in my eyes. So, I yeah, I, I, I gotta let them experience some things. They gotta go to it to get through it. And so right. that's just my thoughts. Uh, so I don't want to yeah. protect them. You gotta have right. some hard stuff, and I'm gonna be there to pick you up when and you that, fall. And that's helpful. That's that's helpful for me. You know what I mean? Because that helps me start to look at that uh, the way I probably should be looking at it. You right. understand what I'm? So I appreciate that, Spence. Being in this business. I get to see a lot of dads, and you get the impression they'll do anything for their children. Um, I think that's a wonderful thing that I get to see every day. I kind of get to see the sacrifice that, that parents make on a daily basis. As we move forward in this conversation, I kind of want to give Daryl a chance to kind of introduce his early thoughts, and then uh, Spence, you and I come back and kind of help to frame the, the, the show. Let's be honest. He, 
um, a, a few weeks into the podcast, he came to me and said, hey, Daryl, I want to, I have a topic. I have a pretty good topic I want you guys to talk about, and I want to chime in on it. I saw his conversational outline, and I, too, was very interested in, in diving into it. So, so like, as Daryl mentioned, um, he's give you a, a chance to kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about y- yourself and your journey before we kind of get into this thing. Okay. Well, I guess, like, 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 uh, like Daryl said, uh, when I, I started listening to the podcast and, I, you know, I went through them all and, you know, thought, I was like, hey, I like this platform. Um, this will be a good platform for me to sort of talk about this, 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 this journey that I kept hearing in some of the earlier podcasts that I'll talk about. And then I said, Hey, you know, let me think about this, uh, you know, this perspective from, from the father's role. I guess what I'm saying is the, the role of the parent through the journey might, could be broken down into three, uh, three different areas. Um, one of those being, you know, the parent's role early on uh, in the, in the journey as a nurturer. Um, and you know, that kind of, you, you know, we'll, I guess we'll get into that piece of it later, but mm-hmm. you know, all the different steps throughout that journey and then moving into, uh, the role as, uh, sort of as an agent, you know, as a kid gets a little bit older, uh, you know, here's where you start to position them, uh, and you know, and with respect to the journey, you start to form their position and then you, and then, you know, you, at the end of the day, you, you want to get to this piece. I, I'm not, I haven't necessarily been to this piece, but I've, you know, I know a lot of dads has been in this thing and, and some of them have gotten to this piece. And of course, you know, uh, D being one of them. And that's the piece where, you know, you, you just sit back and you a fan of your dude. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, I haven't gotten to that piece in the journey. Uh, but like, I, you know, I know some other fathers who have, and, you know, I just hope to get there, you know, one day, you know, with, with mine. Yeah, Dale, let me jump in a sec. I thought that when you sent me this show sheet outline, um, let me clarify just a bit. It was in three parts that you said nurturer, second part agent. I added in parentheses manager because I've spoken about this cool. role in past podcasts as well. Certainly. And the third part was a fan or motivator. Now, okay. before we dive in, D, I want to go back just a little bit. You have two boys, and you started, right? You started this basketball journey for them when, and kind of, kind of move us through real fast. So, you know, Zach, like I said, I Zach, I kind of started with him kind of early. Zach started about about six years old, and that was just ball handling, and you know, um, I kind of knew at that time that he was going to be a small kid. So, you know, I just, and, you know, I'm, and I'm not that tall myself. So I knew I'm, I don't, I'm not going to have, you know, no six, six dudes. So they got to be able to dribble. So, you know, I started him dribbling rather early. And it's funny, as I think about this D, um, I remember when you used to do the uh, clinics over at uh, Ridgeway mm-hmm. and you had a clinic or something like that. And I brought, I brought uh, Zach in there. And I, I, I just remember this. I, I just remember you saying, man, you know, Shorty can dribble. Yeah. And and that's that's big time if you think about where we are now with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? To come to have that comment come from you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You guys are putting together an AAU team or something like that. And I remember Zach. I didn't want Zach to play, but I just knew uh, the kind of practice that you ran. I just wanted him to be a part of that. And that was big for Zach. 
Right. That was really big for Zach. And Zach, you know, like I said, Zach is small. So I kind of, you know, I held on to Zach a little longer. So so maybe till about seventh grade with Zach. Um, you know, I would say that's, that I played that role mm. as a nurture uh, with him. Um, but then when you look at Tyler, Ty, I tried to start Tyler early. I, you know, of course, you know, when you have one, you try to uh, move along those same lines. But Tyler wasn't ready, you know. They, you know, they, with the that's when it was called the warehouse. You know, was it called Rhythm Dribble? Right, right. right. Uh, it was regimented. It was regimented, and just and your dude had to be ready for the regiment. And Tyler wasn't ready for the regiment at six. And that's so, and that's funny you say that because I kind of felt the same way. I, I walked into it was a little intimidating the first time walking into the old warehouse, and um, yeah, the, my boys weren't ready either, so I kind of held them back for a while. But um, yeah, so I can definitely sympathize with that. <laughs> yeah, so so I held on to Tyler and just you know just let him do his thing and he dominated the game early. So he's like I said, he started. I took him down to um, you know I test him out. You know as a, as a, as a father, you want to test him out and see if he's ready. So so you know around here, if you want to test your dude out, you take him down to um, you know you take him to Baltimore. Mm. So I took him down there and let him do like a little, you know, BNBL type type thing. And he was young. He played, you know, what I mean, and, uh, you know, because Tyler was kind of at that age. Tyler was big for his age, at, you know, at that age. And, you know, so he, he could play up. He played with Fat Man and them. And, and then, of course, now Baltimore won him. And, you know, they, you know, some thrill came about uh, in Mookie. And, and I, you know, this is when I told, I, that's when you go to them and say, listen, this day, we're about to step this thing up a level. Yeah. And that's going to take you putting some work in. Are you ready to work? You know, you had that conversation. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me, before you, before you move too far, I want to establish these three subtitles. And then I want to dive back and jump back into that reality, because I think that's going to take us down a really interesting street. Let me ask this. We established what the titles are. We we're first going to talk about the nurturer, which kind of speaks for itself. And then we're going to dive into the role as an agent. And I put in parentheses manager. And then thirdly, we are going to talk about this fan or motivator. So so then, D, um, what, what, what we've learned over time, you know, we have two, uh, we have some college age children. Um, yes. Their yes. attitudes change. So th- during this evolutionary journey, their attitudes change. So does that kind of precipitate the change of the role over time, you think? Definitely, definitely. And if that's true, if their attitudes change, I think that you summed it up that this is a different experience for different people. And a lot of this falls on the shoulders of the children. I think that's what, what's important to be said here. Definitely. Right? Let me ask this, yeah, that's, D. That's all that needs to be said there. You, that, you hit the nail on the head, D. Out of all the sports, all three of us, we chose basketball. Why'd we choose it? I, yo, I, I chose, well, I guess, and I guess that's important here. They they chose it. It's not it's not me that that chose it because, you know, the sport I played, they, they you know what I'm saying? I guess you can kind of say they wasn't really built for the, the sport I played. You know, the sport I played was football. So, and that's a different, you know, that's, that's a different kid. A football kid and a basketball kid is different. I took Zach out early with football and he, he you know he, he's a tough kid so he knew whatever he started he had to finish he went through that year 
but I saw it in his eyes, mm. and he didn't want to go back that second year. You know, <laughs> he didn't want to go back that second year. So he wasn't a football dude. You know, he's a you know so. You know, he he played the soccer, you know, both, if you know me, man, you know, and D never understood this. He's like, yo, I can see that this soccer is serious because you're still with it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my kids, my kids held on to soccer for a long time. And so I thought maybe it could be something different, but they, they chose basketball. I didn't choose it. So, you know, and like I said, we already talked about that beginning piece about, you know, once they chose it, you know, um, I had to, I, I didn't know much about basketball. So at six years old, they chose it. What what does that sound like? I choose basketball. What does that sound like? Well, it's just, it's easy. It's, it's put them into, I mean, it's kind of how I was brought up, man. You know, like, you know, I, I, nobody told me nothing, man. Next thing I know, two weeks later, you know, you, my dad said, you got football practice. Yeah. I was in football and I, and I enjoyed it. Got it. Got it. So this, it's the enjoyment. It's not necessarily a I like this and I want to continue doing this at six. It's more or less that I'm not saying that I don't want to go. Exactly. Right. That's how you kind of get a exactly. sense that they're, they're enjoying the, the experience. Spence, exactly. what'd, you, what'd you say, Spence? What do you? Well, um, I think football was there was the first sport they played, uh, much like Daryl. Um, and he was uh, he was uh, slightly successful at it. But um, for me, like with all the stuff going around, I, I kind of chose. A, I tried to push him away from the sport, um, and so what football? Yeah. yeah. So just no. because uh, he enjoyed it, but I mean, again, like at the young, they were playing at six, and it was tackle football. And so I'm with me. I'm thinking, well, that's a sport I can get back to when I'm in high school. I, I just didn't want all the <laughs> um, like uh, all the head contact so early. Right, um, and, and that's crazy. That's crazy because Tyler's along the same age as your kid. So, like I said, that's that's how we, like me, I'm going through this thing again. You understand? So, with Tyler, things might look a little bit different, but with him, I never really. I just kind of put. I never push football at all, and that's crazy. How as a dad, you control a lot. I just didn't push it. You know what I mean? I, that's all I. That's all I had to do is not push the football you know and i and i didn't push it for the same reason you said spence yeah. and that's that by this time we all this information came out you understand and i'm not and i don't speak bad on any parent who does choose football i want to make sure i say that i certainly understand it but for me and mine i just i just didn't want to you know i just want to make sure that you know um i don't i don't i'm not responsible for something here that doesn't need to happen Certainly, and, like when they're fifty years old, yeah. Happen, but the chances of it of something happening is is greater. You understand, right? Yeah, and so, and and again, I think I was just around the sport so much. Um, when they were born, I was actually coaching with UD at at, at me, um, like when they were born. So I was at practices, or they would stop by or come to games, and they, I was just around the sport. So maybe they gravitated towards it because of that. And when you say like. I don't know if they chose it, but when they pick up a ball and they dribble it and they're playing with it, then you kind of feel there's some affinity to it. So, and um, like like Daryl Boston, I actually they played soccer, they played t-ball, so they went through numerous sports, and that oh, seemed yeah. to be the one that they were that kind of stuck and and they seemed to do on their own around the house without me pushing them. So, I I, I think I'm a little bit more selfish. I I think I remember 
making the conscious decisions that you guys did when he said football's a little dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. Right, this is not the the '80s where there's no research associated with it. Right, we the CTE we experienced those were our stars. Right, when we were young, those are our superstars. Certainly, right, and now we see them kind of jammed up. Right, so it's, it impacts us differently than any other generation. Right, to see to see our top players uh, kind of in in their in their lives. Right, in mm-hmm. this in this in this place. So that made that a very simple decision. What I was just looking for was an exit strategy, right? <laughs> that when do we throw the football aside and when do we pick up basketball? But I liked basketball, you guys. Let's face it. I, I was a pretty good basketball player. So why wouldn't they come on? <laughs> but you also This is what played, we're going to do. But you also played football, right? right? You were a high-level football player. I absolutely player. did, but I didn't have the, the CTE concerns in basketball. Right? right, just those are not concerns. So, right. so as I got older, right now I'm I'm mid twenties now, so I'm saying, no, they're not gonna, they're not going to do the thing that's dangerous. Remember when you talk about living vicariously? Remember, I'm the guy that says, yeah, I think so, I think I do, but I think it deals as much with I want them to lead a life better than mine. Right. That I want them to experience the things that I never really have. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want them to reach some success plateaus that I never really have. So I'm I'm very, very in tune with the thing that's going to allow them to reach the highest pinnacles. Right. That I'm going to be able to choose. Right. I can remember that clearly going through my mind. I think dads experience Mm -hmm. that all the time that I live this life and I'm not going to be satisfied with my life. Unless I make my children, right? Unless I set them up better than I was. Yeah, I hear you. Well, let me ask this. Let me move. So is it cliche-ish to think that basketball uh, offers the, the the leadership and the teamwork? You know, you hear that all the time, that sports do, <laughs> does wonders for kids' lives. Uh, is it overrated? Wow. wow. That's, that's, that's crazy when you say that, D, because... I kind of have to struggle with my parents all the time where, you know, they want, you know, they, they say things and, you know, I don't mean to make fun, but, you know, things to me like get your child in Jack and Jill and stuff like that. Can you see me? You know me. Right. I can't. Jack and Jill is not my thing. Basically, my point is this, this basketball thing. And then and, you know, in their defense, they're not around us all the time. Right. right they right. don't see they don't see and know the kids that my kids are around. But I think as a dad, if you're smart, you try to control that narrative. You know, you I'm not going to pick a team that, you know, may be, you know, they where those kids don't have some of the same values that my kids have. You know what I mean? But as as I try to control that narrative, right? And and in some in some situations I could control, and some I couldn't. The ones that I couldn't control it, you know, I would pull my son out of that situation. But my point is basketball provides all of that or at least the experience for my kids you know everybody i mean it's a goal that everybody's trying to get to education would go hand in hand with basketball because at the end of the day they want they want a scholarship and that scholarship look, looks different for every dad you know what i mean that that road their journey to that scholarship looks different to every dad yeah, or is not looks different but is different for every dad yeah do you sometimes think and, and this is me getting way off way off track but 
do you think a scholarship is enough to keep us all motivated for the entire journey? No, definitely not. You know, I mean, as some, you know, and that's my whole thing, man. I, I always looked at basketball as in, in, in perspective, if you put it in perspective to life, basketball to me is should be easy. You can say that, you know, um, when you look at life, you know, there's things that you're going to experience in basketball that you're going to, ex- they, they can be compared to things you experience in life. And if you can't get through some of those things, then, um, or depending on the level that you get through them on, you know, it just depends. I'm, I'm worried that yeah. if you run into issues that could be similar in life, you, you want, you may want to give yeah. up on that. Almost like sports is this perfect microcosm of life itself. Right, that that I'm, I'm I'm met with some adversities along the way, and I learned some strategies in terms of getting through them, and that translates directly to life itself. Exactly. Yeah. That 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 moves us to the next point. Then I I wonder as we sum up um, uh, the role of this dad, it's tough for me to apply this term nurturer, right? To nurturer to describe the initial stage of interaction with our child in sports. It seems like a term that is more commonly used with mom, right? I want to dive in and talk about that term as we as we uh, continue about dads in basketball. What is this nurturer? What are they thinking here uh, as we kind of move forward? What do you guys think? Well, no, I guess, you know, I can put it in perspective when I look at nurturer I'm, I'm looking at it uh and i get what you're saying in terms of you know what a mom would be but i'm not uh, necessarily thinking of it in those in those terms i'm thinking that you know this is where you kind of introduce the sport uh to you know to your son um you may you know you may set the goals you know for development and um and you, you look at the piece of, you know, competition comes into play here. And you look at what winning and losing looks like and, and you know, and, and maybe put that all in perspective and what it means. Um, and then, you know, at some point, you know, try to lead them to the fact that you can't control some of this winning and losing. And, and the way you control it is your effort. Uh, the way you can control it is through effort. Yeah, so for me, like when you say nurturer, um, and and I and I did write down on my on my list, like it may sound soft, but I just believe it's it's exactly <laughs> the opposite, right? Uh, so nurturer meaning because we're pushing our our, our sons or, or daughters so hard that um, if if you don't nurture them and kind of give them some attaboys at the same time, then they kind of tune you out and they stop listening and I think they, they kind of rebel against it. So that's why for me, it's, it's important to have a nurturing role so that they can, that they can have an outlet for their frustrations and they can kind of come to come to me and, and voice those things because they know that I also care. Um, the, the things that pop into my head is like a top Marinovich, right? He was a, a all world, but his father was really, really, really stringent and really tough on him. And yes, he found he found some success, but eventually, I believe because there was some lack of nurturing there, there was uh, things went went downward once he finally got to the top. Uh, and you can think of countless others, Ryan Leaf, uh, others out there. I think you just need two sides because 
if the child mm. doesn't have any outlet for some of this frustration, if, if they can't talk to you, then there's nowhere for that, for those emotions to go. Um, that's right. Just, yeah. So yeah. Uh, you, you got to nurture, but not protect, which is again, important. Um, yes. I, if I chime in, I thought nurturer led me to believe that I'm in touch with the emotions of the child. Um, and then it begs the question, if that's true, then it begs the question. And, and, and Spence and I have gone down here a little bit, D-Boss. And so, okay. so it really feels good that you're here because you can maybe provide some clarity here. Uh, Is well, basketball supposed to be fun, right? Or are we supposed to push this guy down a road and get an early start on the development process? Because if you're this nurturer, mm -hmm. then I feel like the answer is a bit more conservative and fun becomes really important for you. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think that, you know, it's important for, for them to see. And, you know, you look for that, uh, you know, at this, at this stage. That's something else you're looking for. Is it fun for them? And and if it is, you know, I mean, I think that's going to determine that's where the decision is made about how hard I have to work at this point. The bad, the fun piece may it, it turns into work at some point and you, you can't I mean, if you've ever been through, you know, I mean, training with D, a lot of kids can attest to that, that is work. And at some point, um you know, that's where you determine, you know, I, I think, I think, I think all our kids have made that decision or we wouldn't be at rhythm dribble. Your, your kids want to work. You know what I mean? And I, and I would imagine that some parents, D have, have made the decision. Nah, that's my son's not ready to work. And that might be determined. But it seems like they're the nurturer. I wonder if the person that, because I, I think you forgot I, to, I think you forgot to mention a, the parent that forces their child to come in there and work because what they recognize is that this is what's best for the child at this stage. You I can't be both. I can't do that. I can't force them to work but still nurture them. I I think right. I think that you're getting I think you're having your cake and eat it too, right? When you're this nurturer who's so in touch with the emotions of the child, but yet you still push them into a really stringent regimen to go and develop for future prospects. That's, that's me, right? Remember, we spoke about fun where you were getting on me in the earlier podcast when I mentioned the word fun and you jumped down my throat. But I pushed them to your regiment, but we still have fun. Like, I think you can have both. Like, really, I, I'm, we're, only, we're only working with you for two and a half to three hours. And then mm -hmm. after that, go have some fun. Like, why that's can't you true. do both? And, and, that, and that made... That may explain why our kids are willing to work because outside of the work, that, that fun looks different for every dad. And for us, it's, it's, it's pretty damn fun. You know what I mean? We live, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying outside of the work, you know, I, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to allow my kids to live pretty fun. And so, you know, I definitely think you can do both at the same time. Let's move a little bit to the manager, to the to the agent then, D. Um, I was under the impression, you guys have to provide some clarity for me here. <laughs> it seems like the nurturer 
takes place during the part of a child's career or part of a child's life that they can't necessarily think or make decisions for themselves. And then when you compare it, when you become their agent or their manager, then it seems like they have, the child has become one with the work of it all. And now you help to navigate the space for them, you know, throughout a, a key point in their journey. But at no point do I think a manager can show up in a nurturer's role, because if they do, then they're going to blur the lines of what's fun. And I'll, I'm, I'll quiz both of you guys. I'm really, really look forward to these answers. Watch this. You ready? Yes. If your child says they don't want to play basketball anymore, what do you do? Spence. They're done. That's it. We ain't got to play. You can do whatever you want to do. I, I live my life. You got to live yours. The child is eight years old. Well, no, they can't make that decision in my household until they're 10. Once they're 10, if you say you don't want to play the sport, you don't got to do it in football. If they football is a sport where if you don't want to play that ever, um, then you don't got to do that. But up until you're 10, I control what you do. Once you hit 10, then I'll ask you. You can make an informed decision. We'll have a, I guess, older conversation and say, what do you want to do? You got to do something. If you're not playing sports and you, you're going to do some musical, you're going to do some dance, you're going to do something. You ain't going to just sit here and, and stay on Fortnite all day. But if if they tell me now, because they're all over 10, if I asked them, I actually asked them two days ago, do they still want to play? If you say no, we're done with the sport. We'll go find something else to do. With all of the benefits that sports offers, they say, dad, I don't want to play anymore. And the reason is because the regiment's hard or multiple reasons. Right. You're saying no questions asked, you can quit the sport. Yes, but we're going to have a conversation that everything is hard. And the next thing you choose, that's going to be hard too. So I don't care. You can you can let go of it. But when we go to piano lessons, it's going to be the same thing. Or when now you got to go to mathnasium, it's the same thing. And what if they do it? So do you have to follow them to all of these new outlets before they recognize that maybe it's all hard and yeah. then and now by now they're 15 years old no you gotta you, you, your first speech gotta be real convincing yeah they gotta know what they're looking got for got it got it. hold on daryl before you chime in hold on okay what if your I, child I says thought, what do you say i don't want to lose this thought though, no please. go no question no just if it's a i'm quick spence if your child says they don't want to eat vegetables Right in the house, and they're ten years old. They're ten and a half. You don't want to hear my answer because I don't even eat vegetables. So, I got it. I got it. Okay, D boss, go ahead. No, no, but you. That's an important. That, but that's crazy. That's crazy that you put it like that, because, and you know, eating vegetables is something that not. Let's be honest here. Some some people enjoy it. Some people don't. And I was. I'm basically a person that did not enjoy it. Right. I did not enjoy vegetables, but but my my mother made it who was a dietitian, my mother made it clear vegetables are important. You understand? Yes, yes, so, I understand. So, how about how about D I make the decisions early in this thing, man? Wh right? When do you stop making decisions? 
when they prove that they can make sound decisions. And if I if I go with you, that's going to be never because you're just going to think that you're making the right I don't right know decision. that it's never. I think there's a there's an organic transition that is not 10 years old. Right? Where they're a bit right. they're a bit irrational, right? They they would like to spend a lot of their time <laughs> or the majority of their time in social media or watching TV. But I made that clear. That's not going to happen, right? Right. What right. concerns me is their judgment. It's not that it's not what they do day to day. It's can I trust my 10 year old to make a sound decision that can have an impact on the rest of their life? Right. Exactly. It's not like exactly. playing basketball is out there playing with firecrackers. Right. They're playing basketball, a sport that is we by our own admission, we said that it was a safe haven. But D, well, can they can they play but not play competitively? Just not train, like. Well, I thought that we identified. I'm I'm in this business, so I don't wanna I don't wanna be the guy, man. But the lessons that the children learn, the conversations that I have with parents about the impact of structure and hard work and regimen for young children over time. If you could sit in on some of those conversations or if you could see what I see, then your position might be different, man. You'd say basketball. We can never give basketball up. And largely because we're so deep in the journey. We picked it up at seven. We picked it up at seven, and now they're ten. So we're three years into a, into a pretty significant journey. So so then let's yes. go back to, to D-Boss. Yes. Uh, what if – what if you? What if your child, uh, Tyler or, or, or Zach, came to you and said that they didn't want to play the sport anymore? Would you let them quit? Well, that's 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 crazy. That's crazy because I just went through that, and D and I, and D and I talked about this, and 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 he talked to Zach about it. You know what I mean? It's so raw. It's it's so raw for me, man. That I'm 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 actually. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm I'm fighting back some tears. That's how raw it is for me, man, because I just went down that 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 decision for Zach. And, you know, Zach stayed in this journey for a long time. You know what I mean? And that kid worked. You know, yeah. he you when you when you talk about people who work in that warehouse, you know, he's a kid. It's, it's people, you know, like you know, of course, Jalen and, and Brendan and Mono. It's just like the list goes on. Yeah. When I, you know, those are like the Mount Rushmore's of the warehouse. You understand? They built that. So, and, he, and Zach's somebody who belongs on that. Yeah. And so, so that's how much, that's how much commitment we're talking about here. And he comes to you and, you know, things, and, and D, D and I talked about this. And, and, and D said something very interesting to me and made me think, and said he felt like Zach kind of gave this thing up because he didn't have that success. You know, and those of you who know Zach, you just kind of know, man, you know, just, you know, Zach, Zach was tough, man. Zach was tough. And, and he just, you know, he just didn't have that success early. And, and I think, you know, he just decided to give it up and he came to me and said, you know, you know, things, so a couple things fell through. He had a look, uh, I think Virginia Union was a, a piece that was going to happen for him, and that would have been tough for him. And and it just fell through because if you know Virginia Union is, D, is D2 and, you know, somebody dropped down and it bumped him out. And, you know, so – and I think 
Uh, I just kept saying to him, man, you sure you want, you know, when he told me he wanted, he wanted to stop playing, is that sure? You know, are you sure? You know what I mean? My thing is I'm, I'm testing them. I'm testing them. You know, it just might mean you didn't put in enough dues yet. So let's, let's, let's look at a community college. We got a community college look, let's do this. So, you, you know, you still holding on to it. But at some point I realized he said he was done when he said this, he said, nah, I just going to go to school and start my career. And, and that came through to me. And that's me saying, now I can still support you because my father, again, made something the same way he, he, he made a point to me, the same way you pushed him along. And you know how much we, and you guys know what I'm talking about, the same commitment that it took to push him through the journey is you just shifted. And, and now I'm behind him in, in this thing called life. And I'm pushing him that way. So now those conversations are different. As I know Zach, and I remember him as one of the hardest workers, I don't think Daryl is exaggerating. He was a little guy who I thought he had some early success, if I'm remembering his career um, correctly. I thought that during yeah. those middle years, I thought, I thought AAU wasn't good to him, right? And I thought that that kind of translated to high school. And by the time he got his momentum... He found himself as a as a late year junior, um, going into senior year, which which I imagine beats him up a little bit. The sport beat him mm -hmm. up a little bit. So I the difference mm -hmm. is that I see a high school kid, a 17, 18 year old kid who who looks back and he reflects on his journey and he's able to articulate. And even when I spoke to him, uh, he's able to look me in my eyes very clearly and say, I'm done. Right. And and I'm able to come to some conclusions about that because I'm just a little bit more sophisticated. I've I've gone a little further in this journey. Right. I've, I've been around kids and I've been able to have relationships and feel through some of the messages that kids offer. So I thought that, yeah, he just had had enough. But when I look at Spence's, I see a 10 year old in his household who may be allowed to quit. I just think those are two very, very, very different stories. Certainly. Right. And I think. That the, the dad, I saw Daryl Boston have to go back to Zach at 17 and have to become a nurturer all over again because, hey, big guy, come on, man. Let's let's sit down. Let's share this moment. It's a rough one. Right? And I want you to know that this is hurting dad a little bit, but we're going to get through this. Right? And now I hear Daryl, the dad has rebounded a little bit. But it seems like to me with the young children, that is how do we get across to them the same way we make them do their homework and make them eat their vegetables and make them clean up their rooms or take a shower? <laughs> how can we make it clear to them that this journey has endless benefits, right, that can help you lifelong and that you need to ride this out, son, or, or baby girl? Hey, yes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. so for me, like... um. I don't think the nurturer role ever goes away, which is why I said that's important. Even even as you're the manager, um, oh, or, or the, I don't so think the nurturer should go so away. I see like what you're doing, so I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, and I don't know how you explain it. We so it's not linear. I said, you know, it's not linear. This thing bounces around. It sounds like Spence is stacking them. It sounds like you got the nurturer now. You want to stack that thing inside. The other piece. Yeah, so that so that I can push them. I've gotta I've gotta show some some caring side so that I could push them to their to their brink. If I'm just only pushing them with no caring, 
I believe they're gonna tune out. And to reference, yes, um, yes. So, so to reference D Boss and his was later in life, and and uh, you chastised me for, for for me letting them make the decision at ten. Remember, I said that we we do live through the kids vicariously, right? However, I'm not to that point where I'm saying you gotta do this because I want it for you. And so, to me, life is bigger than sports. So I'm not gonna force them to play a sport. I just think we're not being totally transparent as three fathers when we said how we arrived at this sport, right? I, I don't think that the child jumped up and said, "Me, me, basketball every day, train." I don't think that happened. I think that we took the keys to the car and we drove them down this street yeah, and until it, they were if, ten. And then if they got- that's true then I don't know that 10 years old, right, without high-level success is a time to say you're allowed to quit it. No, because watch. We all respected Michael Jordan. When Michael Jordan said, I'm done, I retire, right? Because Michael Jordan could do what he wants to do. He was the best in the game at the highest level. Right. I am concerned when people quit something that they're not the best at or even good at. Right? Because they don't know if they was going to enjoy it. They don't know. They don't know about the real enjoyment of the business of basketball so when, so, if they can't play it. So what happens to the guy right. who, who never makes it to the top? Like, and they're 25 and still trying to and still trying to go to college or be an NBA. It's time to start your start your life. I'm not taking responsibility for mm-hmm. a 25-year-old. But, That's but not you, what I'm suggesting. But what you're saying is that uh, that they can't quit because they didn't make it to the top. That's not. Look, look. Spence. No, I, it's almost, it's almost like when do you open the door and let them out? I don't think that controlling a twenty-five-year-old's direction in life is something that I'm interested in doing. I'm talking about young children, and I'm talking about young children enlisting positive and productive things. I think that we started this podcast out talking about a, lot, a long list of benefits that are basketball that you can access because you chose basketball. That means I trust Ball. I trust Ball to be able to provide us with some outlet, with some lessons, right? Exactly. That, that are going to help them lifelong. That right. means that I'm not so fast to let them quit something that's positive and productive. We deepen. It's had a. It's had a emotional. It's had a physical. It's had a mental uh, impact on you, and that that impact is not going to stop. So let's be very careful in making them the trier of fact in what's good for them and what's not good for them that's my only point all right so the boys are 12 they didn't decide to quit so we can we we can go on to the the part that we're now in let's think back early in their young careers what about this win at all cost mentality uh what, what's our position on that as dads well like i said i've mentioned you got to put perspectives on winning and losing and what losing really means. You know, losing means a lot of things, especially early. Losing means you can learn and you got time to do that. So losing is, is a valuable piece when early on because, they're, they're, you know, if you can make them learn from it, you understand, you know, it, you got to put perspectives on what that is. Losing is that doesn't really matter is you lost this game that that. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I, I, I never want to have them accept losing, but um, you've you got to learn to deal with it because if not, right. then it, it can consume you. 
So I, I don't want it to be the end all be all, but but it's got to be. You got to be out there fighting. You got to give it your all. Give everything. Exactly. Be willing to. Be willing to. It's a little overboard, but for lack of a better word, die on that court. In between those lines, I don't have any friends. I don't. I don't like you. I don't. I don't. I don't want to shake your hands. I don't want to have a conversation. But then after the game, you, you leave it all on the court. Right. So right. wait a minute. Y'all are throwing me mixed messages here, man. So if it's fun, <laughs> right? Then does the fun? That's fun to me. No, 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 no. I'm talking about you as the nurturer. You as oh. the nurturer, and what you're able to keep from your children in terms of belief structure, right? Are you able to hide from your sons that it wasn't the win that mattered when we got out here it was just that you gave your all right don't look at the scoreboard son are you able to mask that or or do they go home with the anticipation of having to deal with a dad who doesn't who's ultra competitive and doesn't deal with losing well well again that's not me yeah yeah, but i think you can read that I think if you can, if you're in tune with your kid, you can read that, and I can tell when they, you know, I mean, you can tell by the way they react to a game whether they gave it their all. I mean, you 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 can just tell, you know, what I mean, like with with I can tell when they feel like I didn't give it my all, and that when you look at it in in, in respect to losing, you know, what I mean, that's they they look tough, but if if it's a situation where they feel like they gave the all. There's nothing they can do that looks differently. You understand? Um, that looks different. Yeah, so. and and for me, that was that was when I played and when I competed. And so for them, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be mad at them for losing um, or or having a conversation. I may give them space to to deal with it. I may not say anything after a tough game for them, um, or it just depends on it, it depends on how it went, but. Right. I'm never I'm never chastising them for losing. If anything, if I have any tough conversations with them after a competition, it's if I saw some things that they could have done better or just right. or, or, or what did you see or what did you feel in this moment? Just tap into the emotional side of it. I don't really say y'all are supposed to win that game. That's that's never a conversation we have because and especially right. at their age, like who who cares? Yeah, like right. Yeah, I don't care about that right now. You 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 absolutely right about that, and, but you know that as a dad, because when you think about, I mean, you think about the long hours, and you know, you you know, just think about trying to get ready for, a, you know, AAU tournament, and the long hours in the summer that you put into the warehouse, and they, and you can tell, like when you when that work comes through, you as a dad, that's all that matters to you. That's that's all that should matter to you. Yo, that work that work paid off. And that's such a big thing for those kids to see that, you know, like Tyler win the national championship. I mean, he worked, you know, he worked hard that summer. And for him to experience that, that, that kind of success is big time. You understand? Because that, you know, he's able to see that connection between the work and success. Yeah. Do nurturers ever have in the back of their mind as dads, do they ever arrive at the point where they say, Maybe my child just doesn't have it. Yeah, that's a oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a tough question because I think that that goes through your mind. I mean, it has to go through your mind, especially when they're again, as we speak a lot about on on the pod, is that 
there's no, there's often no immediate transition onto the court on court success with the the work you're putting in. Sometimes it it takes a little bit longer. So you you've got to step out and evaluate. And I'm sure as the trainer, you've had that conversation thousands of times, right? Like, man, this isn't working. Maybe this isn't for them. Um, yeah, I think that has to cross your mind at some point. But then, if if you're a fighter, you just kind of push through that, right? And I think the and I think that's valuable if, you know, if you have a good trainer. And when I say good, I'm not just talking about someone who's good at, you know, training kids in basketball. I'm just talking about, you know, all around good trainer who could recognize that and have a truthful conversation with a parent um, that this might not be, you know, for your son. Would you, you know do I mean? that, D? Would you, would you have that type of conversation with a parent? No, I'm, I'm different. Yeah, I knew it. Remember, man, I'm the guy that thinks that if you put in high-level effort, if you give everything you have, I think that you can move closer to a goal that you set. So mm -hmm. it would be difficult for me to have that to take that position with a parent because I genuinely believe that we can move in the direction of success. So you think every kid can be a basketball player? I have to think that way. Yeah, because I don't have a choice. I have to. Some I, of this I thing has be, to be athlet, like athletic ability. I'll tell you this, Spence, and you know Jalen, right? Certainly. He's not the big athlete, man. There's been many opportunity in his career where I could have said that this ain't going to work, right? That he's not going to get it or or he doesn't have it. Right. I just think you ignore those things. You keep your blinders on and you get up and you get in the gym the next day. Mm. So if that's for my child, if that's good enough for my child, then that's good enough for the child. that seems like they're not moving in the right direction because one day they're going to wake up and they're going to get it. And the fact that they got it means that they have an opportunity to get the next thing. The problem is if somebody quits at the beginning or somebody quits mid-journey, then they don't have the, the benefit of parlaying the stuff that was a struggle to figure out into something that's a little bit more dynamic and something that's more usable in the sport. I listened to a motivational speaker some time ago. I forget who it was, maybe Zig Ziglar. And somebody asked him, he said he was at a, at a show. Somebody raised their hand from the audience and they asked him, you're this motivational speaker. Do you think you can do anything in the world? And the guy responds, yes. And they say, well, do you think that you can move this house with your bare hands? And I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said, if I surely went about the task of moving this house with my bare hands, then I had better believe that I could do it because if I believe I couldn't, I had no chance of getting it done. And I think that had a profound impact. Every child that comes in the gym has a chance, right? And I, and I won't quit on them if they won't quit on themselves. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I just heard a motivational speaker myself. No question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess I, I just, again, um, in all, I just think it has to have some athletic ability there, but, but I won't, I won't doubt it. Right. Uh, or you look at it from this perspective, you take their strengths and you just build upon what the strengths are. Yes. And, and so the less athletic, for example, the athleticism certainly helps. And they make this, they, you know, they make this thing 
you know, a lot easier, you know, or they make things a lot easier for certain athletes, you know, certain ball players, I guess. And, but, you know, if you know, oh, I have, if you very in tune with your son's athleticism and you start to build the development, you're going to build it based off of, you know, what you see uh, with, with things, what their strengths are, you know what I mean? And, you know, for like, for Zach, I knew that he was not, we, we discovered very early that he wasn't going to be tall. So his development looks a lot different because now we, we have to say, okay, well, what is Zach? Zach is, is fast. Zach is quick. So, you know, now, and then that piece where he, Zach became strong, he really began, began to, you know, play at the top of his game. Uh, when it all, when all the pieces kind of came together for him, but, but, but basically what I'm saying is I built his game based upon, you know, his strengths and what you saw his strengths were. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm doing the same for Tyler, you know, Tyler, unfortunately, and I, and and D and I have had these conversations and, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have the quickness. He doesn't have the speed that Zach had, you know what I mean? So, Tyler's, you know, but we still want him to be successful. So now he has to have more, you know, what his strengths are. And his off speed is definitely one of his strengths. So we got to build his development from that perspective. Makes sense. Makes sense. I heard a few things. I want to go back just a sec before we move um, to competition. I have a very real question about competition and competitiveness. But I wonder, did I hear you guys correctly that nurturers are not really concerned with winning that we can almost take the score off the scoreboard and let these young and i'm talking about when the children were young take the score off of there as if that to suggest that that doesn't matter right it's maybe effort is what i think you guys said or or how hard you played or how focused you were what were some independent goals I kind of missed that. I want to make sure yeah. I understand that so clearly. I well, think it matters. It's just not the end all be all. I mean, you can't just go out there trying to lose. Like the 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 winning matters. It's just not the end all be all. I just remember the kids that leave out of clinic having lost in a one on one or lost in a two on two, and they and they're hysterical, and they're young, right? Or or when we go to a game and we're competing. They they can't get themselves together because the scoreboard says that they didn't get it done. And they're old enough, excuse me, they're mature enough to internalize this thing and understand it for what it really is. It seems like sometimes the parents may not be in touch with it. That's that's kind of that's kind of where I'm going with this. Are we clear that some kids come out the womb, right? Ready to compete. Right, we spend our nurturing years kind of tone them down a little bit. Right, what do we think about that? Your question coming across is, you know, at this point, do we understand um, if this is what you want to do? Is is basketball? Is is that is that the point? Is that no, what I'm talking about the seven year old man. I'm talking about the seven year old at the county ball game who who lost and they didn't get it done. At least, at least for me, man. If 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 winning becomes so important that the losing consumes you, I think that it starts to eat away at you. So 
yes, I've got to be competitive. I've got to want to win. But it can't be the end-all, be-all, or it'll literally eat you up from the inside out. Like The right. child? The child will eat the child up yes. over the years, over yes. time. Yes, it just builds up because, like, it, it just it turns into anger, and and then the, then it becomes, they, they lash out. I just, it, it can't, because then if it's only about the win, then they don't recognize the the giant leaps and bounds they've made as an individual player. There had to be exactly. some successes there. They've got to see some some wins. And Otherwise, like it, it's just yeah, it, it's it's too consuming. And that's exactly what I mean when I say the learning. I'm I'm sorry, the losing is 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 valuable. Okay, not and I and I, I think we got kind of mixed up about what I was saying. I, I I was never saying to accept losing. I'm just saying that you can the losing is valuable along the journey because you can learn from it you know i mean yes you just just, but you got to make sure you're learning from it yeah i look at this conversation at this point you know we've talked for a while now that i see this triangle and three points on the triangle on the one point i see fun i thought i heard fun was a was early in this conversation was huge and you guys described fun as it relates to the nurturing part of the child's life that they have to have fun. Okay, I can accept that. But I wonder where winning goes in that fun goal and where does development go in that because those things are the variables that affect the fun. So that mm-hmm. concerns me a bit, that part of the triangle. The other part of the triangle is, is it okay to push the child so that they can move closer to their optimal levels of potential or their optimal potential levels. Because that's going to hurt some feelings. That part of this thing is going to make some children uncomfortable. The last part that I arrive at now is the competition part. So as we dive into competition, I know that some kids are born to compete, but that may contradict some of the things that we said as nurturers. So y'all dive in and you guys say, I don't know when it matters... But the child's more important than the winning. And I think about those organizations, Gerald, that we were talking about in, in the city, that winning is everything. And now I think about me as a coach, and I'm saying, I know I have this little group of seven-year-olds, but I'm figuring out a strategy to win, right? And yeah. if, if we just get in the gym a little bit more, you seven-year-olds, right? Or if we work on this thing a little bit more, you seven-year-olds, then we're going to win. Right, I think of a Marquise yeah. in softball who he's the best coach in the league. And a lot of it is his personality. And I was talking to him some time ago. And of course this happens. They go through, they play one season, his first year as a coach. Well, everybody sees he's a heck of a coach. So by the next year, all of the kids that can play a little bit are going to migrate to his team. And right. then there we have competition. Right? Or we see it uh, where you have this dominant organization in AAU and you have a couple of disgruntled parents and they pull a couple of kids and go start another one. Well, there's that competition word again. right? You see the one coach who has a problem with another coach who pulls some of the kids and goes and moves and starts. I guess my point is that it's not so simple to get away from this competition part of the triangle, Right? That right. somehow has an impact on the fun of it, 
right? That's the winning part of it, that the child comes home crying and, and you have some, some explaining to do, right? Where we like it to be avoidable. We'd like them to not have to deal with some high-level adversity as we move into this agent or manager conversation, but I don't know if it's avoidable. What do we think about early skill development? Oh, it's, it's like I said, that's important. I mean, that's, I yeah. think that's what you see early on. I think the, the earlier that the child kind of begins or the, or the earliest they, I mean, some people, of course, some kids are going to get it quicker than others. But I think those kids that we see experience success very early got the development very early and got good development very early. Yeah, or very good athletes. Yeah. Or, or that too, exactly. Yeah, those guys yeah, jump in as well. You see a lot of that early. You see a lot of that. You see that too, mm. definitely. Hey, hey Daryl, so we've spent a lot of time talking about nurturing and um, in terms of competitiveness and, and losing and, and winning, but in terms of you've been through the journey and now with, with both of your sons, so I would like to know a little bit about your thoughts and and what you had to do as their their agent slash manager, how vital and important is that? I think it's I think that's that's definitely very important. I think it's different for for every dad, and some dads get it, and some dads don't. And I think the way you the way you determine it, the way you're able to navigate through that piece, might determine you know your child's success in this journey. You know what I mean? Um, and you know so. You just you definitely want to make sure that you position your kid, you know, or your son, you know, or your daughter. You want to make sure you position them, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and put them in the right spot. And that's why I say you're acting as the agent. You're trying to put them in the right spot, whether it be, you know, what school to go to, uh, you know, what high school to go to uh, or what middle school to go to and, and that kind of thing. Um, and you also try to position them with respect to basketball, you want them in the right organizations. You want them in, you know, you want to bring them up, um, you know, uh, you know, put them in the right spots. Like, you know, like, like for Tyler, you know, for, for Zach, if I talk about Brendan and, and Zach early on, I think it was basically that, that Maryland sports scholars. I mean, they put them in the right spot. It was, you know, a recognized team in the country, you know, so that was a position for, for Zach. And then the position for, you know, Tyler is, is of course takeover. So, you, you, like I said, it's all about the position piece. Yeah, and um, I would have to agree there. Like, um, I know I know we've had this conversation on on different episodes, D, in terms of the management of it. Um, and I, and it's extremely important in my eyes. Uh, but but the biggest thing for me is that you've got to be effective as their agent slash manager. But not be mm. so visible because when yep. you become when you become a nuisance or a hassle or, or it's a small community out here and I just I, I think of one guy uh, yeah that I've that I've dealt with and when you get known as like a problem parent or a difficult parent it actually ends up hurting hurting the child more than helping and um, while you may have the best intentions. Uh, you may have the best intentions for the child. I've got to make sure that I'm able to communicate effectively and I make the right decisions. And once I make a decision, I've got to kind of step back. Um, your job is to do it before they make it to that to that team or that, that location. And once you place them there, 
you've got to kind of take a hands-off approach. Otherwise, you may end mm-hmm. up rubbing some some people the wrong way. And it's a it's all about relationships, and it's a small yeah. community. So, um, and that's all part of positioning. That's all part certainly. of positioning. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, but yeah. I think it's definitely needed because you put in so much work with, with all the training you, you're, you're with D um, three, four five, six times a week. Um, you're working on their craft. And so it, it would do them injustice to put them in a situation that would not benefit them. Um, because exactly. you, you've done all the groundwork initial uh, up front. Right. Exactly. Let me ask this. Are some dads better at this navigation than others? A thousand percent. I think, I of a think guy, so. Yeah, I know a guy, Ken Dawes. He was bad at it. But but then I know guys who've been extremely good at it. And they the kid, they probably have gotten the kid in situations that maybe the kid didn't deserve to be in just because they were so good at the relationship portion of it. And I think I think that's one thing that... that is, is a is a valuable tool that the warehouse or rhythm dribble um kind of you know one of one of the a valuable tool that we get out of all this is you get all of us together so we we kind of it's a culture you know what i mean if you've been around this thing as long as i have it's it's a culture and that's all that matters is we're talking about people who stay you know i always talk to you know i brought a lot of people you know, to, to rhythm dribble, you know, with, with my kids experience some success. People want to know where they train. And I think the one thing that I say is you get, is you, you just get in that wagon, man, you keep moving. And I think it happens differently. You know, as long as you keep moving, some people ride that wagon and, and jump off and then get back on. Some people stay on it. You know, I, we kind of stayed on that thing, but basically what I'm saying is it brings all that together into one area, you know, but we're all under the, you know, same, we all, it's a culture that's developed. Right. And that, that's kind of what it is. What do you think about the, the, the agent slash manager role uh, as a trainer? You guys know me and I look at this entire thing as a journey, right? I do think that dads and, and, and if I'm being fair, it's moms as well. Um, I think in my own child's life, there are, you know, this, um, their mom, she was a pretty good manager of their, of their early lives, uh, mm-hmm. and, and was willing to put in, put in the work. And I kind of had this role of in the gym. So I would kind of handle the on court in the gym work and she'd kind of handle the, the navigation. I don't know that this is gender specific, but as a trainer, I get to see parents both moms and dads push their child in some kind of direction uh while i'm not always in agreement with the direction everybody has their iron in the fire everybody wants what's best for their children and i get a sense of that i think some being better than the other is absolutely true i see parents who have taken young basketball players who in many ways aren't supposed to be as highly regarded and they are and i've seen parents who who just couldn't figure it out had a really skilled kid but just made poor decision after poor decision after poor decision so i think it's a it's a wide range of variables wide range of profiles that help to describe parents Uh, as the trainer it's difficult for me to get off of the why don't they just make sure the child is really good? 
and then it takes care of itself. Because if they do, you know, Spencer and I have started to talk about this basketball ecosystem where if you can create value, then many of the questions that you have are answered. Yes. If you cannot create value, then you'll be searching under rocks for answers, right? Because they're just not (laughs) apparent. You just don't have enough alternatives, right? So I just think as a trainer, I would invite all parents to turn the focus away from the the coaches and turn the focus away from what national are we going to or mm-hmm. booking the hotels or or what oh, teams here he goes or again. what teams I want to be a part of and it seems like they could find um great value in diving deep into making their children better. I think that's my and, that's my and takeaway. That's crazy. That's crazy because like I see that, you know, Spencer and I are kind of going through it now. Deep been through this, uh, you know, a, a while ago, like I have with Zach. But you know, having to do this whole, you know, AAU thing. I mean, you you kind of have to do it to have your your child play on the stage, you know, where the best competition is. But you you don't like the fact that they control the narrative, and you know what I mean. So that piece that you bring up, D, like what it's all basically all the competition we need can be right here if everybody, you know, would if that was the mindset. Um, you know, you don't have to put all that effort into hotels and all that kind of stuff. You know, I've done, I don't do it all, but I've, I've done more than I've wanted to do. I agree with Daryl as well. I've seen parents, um, and, and when I say I agree with Daryl in terms of just making sure that you make the best product that you can. So focus on, just focusing on your own child. I've seen some parents at every opportunity, they're talking about another kid or he's not this and he's not that. Um, but if you just really focus on your child and his development, talking about someone else won't make your child any better. You just got to keep your head down, keep your blinders on, and focus on building the best product that you can. And then you won't have to worry about anybody else because your child will be valuable to everyone around him. Yeah. Yeah, you got to keep the blinders on and, and kind of, you know, run your own race. You know, if I look at Brendan and then I look at Zach, you know, I mean, you know, at, at some point in, you know, and Deep knows this, you know, those two, you know, they've been, you know, the best on the court uh, and, and they had a lot of success early. And then that thing kind of, you know, like like D said, uh, during the, uh, the whole AAU piece, his journey was different than it was. It started out the same as Brendan, but it didn't end up the same. And then, of course, you know, we go on and on and on. What you have to understand as a parent, you know, what you got to understand your child's journey. You know what I mean? You can't make their journey somebody else's journey. And I didn't do that for Zach. I don't do that for my kids. I also walk away thinking that the agent slash manager role is the opposite of the nurturing role. And I think it has to be. I just think that the, the agent operates with these clear goggles on who has to be a predictor of this thing and has to, uh, like you said, position their ball player where I think the nurturer just has to be in tune with the, with the mind state of the, of the athlete, of their, of their child. But you don't think by that I'm doing some nurturing by being the, the agent slash manager, there's some, no, I think the agent has to deal with hard facts. I think anytime you're dealing with emotions, man, I think that there are variables, but I think the, 
the right. nurturer the nurturer has their role and we've given them credit for it is that they're the ones that are in tune uh with the person i think that the agent manager has to be in tune with the landscape right they yep. have to understand what benefits what's the what's the things that we need to align ourselves with who's the people we need to be around right what is the training that we need to to dive into what's the high school i need to go to and for what reason um and they know it's not a joke for these guys right these are the guys that say that i i don't care what the child feels so if if we translate this to household chores that you have to make your bed up every day you don't have a choice right you do your homework at four o'clock because we need to have your space for your practice time afterwards you have to yeah. eat a, a healthy snack before we go Right, exactly. you're not allowed to miss training any days, and if you do, we our makeup day is Sunday, which would have been your rest day. To me, that agent slash manager has to do all the right things, whereas the the nurturing parent might say, uh, mm. "Son, take today off. I think you're fine, man. Just come over and watch TV with me a little bit." Yeah, that's a valid yeah. point. Definitely, that's a good point. That's a real good point. And that that manager or agent also. Like they're supposed to, you know, that that's the one that's bringing things in into scope. You un, you understand what I'm saying? They bring it, they bringing things into focus. And you also there's some kind, con- like I said, there's some tough conversations there, where you got to understand that, like at some point, you know, is this what you want to do? You understand? Like, and that has to start moving towards the forefront. Yeah. Um, th- like you know, you want to see them, you know driving the bus as i say you want to see them start to move towards that driver's yeah you and you guys will fight me a little bit but the the agent manager says start the training as early as possible right don't give them a break right because we've got to be good by this point so that my conversation and my setup for this conversation all fit seamlessly that they understand that all of the things that we said that a nurturer sees as problematic the agent doesn't. The agent manager says, no, 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 no. These things need to be in place and we need not be so sensitive to the emotional facet of the personality. We've got to get some hard things done so that we're mm-hmm. positioned, we're valuable in the marketplace, and as a result, some doors open up for us that don't open up for other people. Right. The last subtitle you had, Daryl, on your show sheet was the role of a fan slash motivator. Dive in a little bit. Help us get started on that, and then Spence and I will chime in a bit. Yeah, and and as I look at that, again, that motivator piece probably goes along with each each of the other stages, Uh, you know, the nurture and, and, uh, you know, agent or manager piece. The motivator, it goes along, you know, at at each stage. Mm -hmm. But, But like I said, at at this point, you understand it's their passion because they've 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 committed to this thing quite a bit. You know they they you know they they've committed a, you know a large percentage of of their lives. You know if you think about a kid going into high school, if I think about Tyler, you know I mean Tyler's committed a large uh, part of his life to this thing. You know what I mean in terms of you know he could have you know let's not understand there's some casualties that go along with this, and and some of those are him. 
you know, developing relationships in the neighborhood with other kids, you know, because you got to have some kind of regimen here. So, you know, that's just only one aspect in terms of things that, you know, is things could be different for him. So, you know, he's committed himself quite a bit here. And so you understand it's their passion that this, this is their passion. Now you're just trying to support them. You know, this is your passion. This is the road we going now. You, you get behind, you really, you, you taking that momentum and you pushing them. I, I get it. I get it. And I, like you, I have college age. Actually, I have post-college age and college age basketball players. And you're right. This seems like that moment where they've taken the steering wheel of sort. And the mm-hmm. conversation changes a great deal as a result of it. Um, yeah. So if if I look at it a bit, um, although I never really got to put my feet up and really enjoy it because of the anxiety mm-hmm. of having, you know, your sons play high-level basketball it, and and you double as their trainer, it puts you in a position where you consistently are thinking about the next thing that needs to go in. Right? I got you. And, exactly. And, and this is this deep into the journey. And then how do we facilitate the, the additions? Uh, because mm-hmm. they don't have the time that they used to have, where you have them every day, right? Like like other young young uh, training prospects. So when I look back over the journey, I see a child that first started out, who I was in full control of everything, and and the mom, the parents, right? And especially mm-hmm. in my case, I was in full control of what they learn as basketball players. And then I had to have clear vision enough to parlay each learning experience to something else or the next one or the next one. And so the task has been enormous over time. Then the next stage you see is the parents have to begin to come together and kind of make what was learned in the first stage, this skill, this early development, we have to help to define and clarify what our roles are going to be. But then the third step, I think, is the part during this evolutionary process that I think is that we need to talk about is when we start to see the child own it. We start to hear the child's voice, right? They're no longer little people, right? They're starting to, they're saying, you move over a little bit. Although I'm not of age to drive the car, I have some opinions, right? So now they don't want to train as hard or as much. They want to dive into some social areas. They want to experience other things. Yeah. And, and us as parents, we have to try to now counsel them a little bit rather than demand it. And that may be why I was, I was hard on Spence earlier when I said early on, you have to eat your vegetables, right? And... When you prove that you can make sound judgments, then sure, you have an input, but not early on, right? We can't, this can't be a democracy with you at this age, but at some point when you earn your stripes, sure, it can be a democracy, right? Especially if you're one of the better players in the area, right? That we have done the work to make you significant and on a road in basketball to where basketball is going to open some doors for you. Because now, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, but, and that's, and that's, and, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I guess I'm not unique, I guess, 
I mean, a lot of dads, I mean, I got, you know, I used to think it was unique, but, you know, I know a couple of dads with three, with three sons, man. So I've been, you know, I've, I've been through this thing for a while, you know what I mean? So, so each with each, when I think about each son, for, for example, my oldest son, Justin, if I go through that piece, he had to kind of fight me for the independent, the uh, independence that you're talking about. D. He had to fight me for that. This is my first one. Yeah. You know, so I got to make sure, you know, so he fought me for it and, and I realized that probably wasn't the best situation for us. And so I learned from that and, and kind of, you know, understood that a little bit earlier for Zach saying that this, you know, you, you already been down this road once. So I'm not saying give them the independence, but you give, give them the space to make those kind of decisions that they kind of. And, and, and you agree, Daryl, that it's hard to give them the space. Yes, right? They're going to make some decisions that you don't agree with. Exactly. Right. And it's at that moment that you have to kind of test yourself a bit to say, this is what's best for the child, right? That I need right. to back up here. And that's very yeah. different than our early roles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially if it means that they're going to take ownership of their place in the game, right? That yeah. you love it that they're, that they're taking the responsibility to take themselves to training and that they're taking the onus of watching tape and they're taking the onus of determining how they're going to apply some of the skills that they've learned, right? And then you begin to see those things if we as parents or we as fathers give them the space because we got to believe that we're the biggest mountain in their lives that they're ever going to have to climb, right? It's not a coach in the case where dad is around, right? Yeah. It's going to be dad. And if they can figure out a way to communicate and have a voice with dad, then they're starting to grow up enough to be able to take hold of this game of this game of basketball. Right? Exactly. So you, that's the kind of stuff that translates that doesn't even have anything to do with a basketball. Right? right? That that I have these feelings and I can express them very clearly, right? Because I've grown a, I've grown a lot and I'm comfortable in my own space and in my own body. Right? Of course, those are skills that translate to the basketball court that we may not talk about if we sit back and just talk about skill development all the time. Right. 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 So yeah. again, when I look at this journey, um it, it humbles us a bit because somewhere along the line, we're gonna be reminded of something very real. And that is that we don't know everything, right? Even though sometimes we think we do, that the child's voice is many times saying something that's very, very valuable, saying something very, very pertinent. Right. That we're better off listening a little bit because yeah. you, you come to grips with the fact that only a couple of instances have to happen where they say something and it comes to fruition that you start to begin to understand that they're older, A, and B, that they have listened to you over the years and they've taken many of the lessons that you've taught and they've parlayed them to a sound perspective. Right? And if you've done your job early on, if you were there and you sat them down and had those conversations that only we as dads can have, then right. in those moments, that's the evidence comes true. It comes to life that they were listening and they agree and they're able to apply it to their own lives. And I think that's the moment where you begin to see the value of the dad. Because it's not going to be on Father's Day when they forget to tell you Happy Father's Day. <laughs> right or it's not going to be in the game when after the game's over they run over and give mom a hug right they don't give you any acknowledgement those are not the moments 
the moments are going to be, man, when you least expect it, right? When then, when they have to articulate what you've meant over the years and you hear it or you witness right. it and you see it, it's at those moments we've got to claim our small victories. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. All right, as we begin to uh, wind down a bit, I wanted to make sure that we, first of all, wished everybody a late Happy Father's Day, if I may. Especially mine, who, when I think back, provided the structure for manhood and also the blueprint for serving people. You'd have to kind of know him in order to really understand what I mean here. He's the kind, he's the kind of guy who takes a second out and gives everybody he meets a kind word. Or he's the kind of guy who would give you his last. And I kind of appreciate learning from him. And I just hope that I can be of this kind of service and impact to my own children. And secondly, I'd like to thank Daryl Boston for taking some time with us just to kind of lend a perspective on what fathers go through and what fathers think along this long journey called basketball. I think that it's simple to break down the different fathers that exist in this game and, first of all, identify what are many of the things that we don't have in common and then compare those things to the many things that we do. I think we're all fighting the same fight. I think basketball is a great choice for us in terms of teaching life lessons to our children regardless of what phase or regardless of what role we play, we're vital to this process itself. You guys uh, take the mic, you guys. Uh, any closing remarks from you guys? Oh, yeah. I just like to, you know, like I said, um, you know, this all started when I, you know, started listening to, um, you know, your first um, few podcasts. And I was like, and, you know, it was it was entertaining. And, and you know, of course, I think we showed, I think all of us showed how we kind of meshed together, although we had some moments, but we kind of meshed together. And I think it's, it's I could tell that I had something in common with what you guys were doing. And, and there was some chemistry there. And I think it kind of showed through and came through the night. And um, so I, you know, definitely uh, thank you for, you know, allowing me to uh, be a guest on here. And um, I'm glad we were able to make it happen. And, uh, you know, and, and since we, you know, I like to just send out, if we, if we say we want to stay on the spirit of the Father's Day, you know, a shout out to my dad, who who basically, you know, when we talk about this this thing and, and you, you know, I had one of the great ones and, and I'm just trying to be one, uh, you know, for mine. Yeah, good call. So thanks again. Yeah. Um, keeping with the Father's Day theme, mine was a culmination of a number of figures and um, three to be exact. And so the first being, um, I have an uncle Lavelle, um, nicknamed Snap, and um, I give you the nickname because it goes into the story in, in a sense that when we were younger, um, I, I was fifth, sixth grade, somewhere around there. I just remember him telling us that that he jumped over an eight foot fence vertical, um, and after that day, and still to this day, we nicknamed him Super Snap because he just kind of made you believe that you could do anything and that he can do anything. So. I kind of pulled that, those traits from him and just never being afraid to try some things. And then second would, would be my grandfather, as I mentioned earlier. He was a, a mechanic by trade and just a, just a notorious hard worker and respected within the community and within the family, the staple and the backbone of the family. And he kind of just, he was the one who always gave me those, 
those stern talkings and um those stern conversations and and kept me on the right path and then finally um of course my father um did what he could when he was around and so i just appreciate and everything that they were able to bring forth to the table and i just hope that i can do them service and going forward and again thank you daryl for stopping by i just always appreciate the good conversations good basketball conversations um and thank you to the listeners thanks for tuning in also be sure to like us and follow us on facebook instagram and twitter leave a comment and let us continue to evolve this podcast so we can meet the exact needs of trainees families coaches and trainers you've been listening to the rhythm dribble basketball development podcast We look forward to talking to you guys next episode.